Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is James McDougall, VP of Marketing at Paul Davis Restoration of Utah, a residential and commercial restoration company. Paul, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Jeremy, but you just called me Paul, too. Oh, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. <laughs> it is the what? number one thing that people do because it's the name of the company. So <laughs> that is hilarious. Okay. Can I just, yeah. can you just go by Paul? Do you mind? <laughs> I actually answered to it. It's on my shirt. It's on my hat. It's on my car. It happens every single oh, day. God. I actually wrote that in yeah. the script. That That's a weird thing. Okay. I'm just going to pick it up right from there. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. James, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate it. I'm just going to admit to our listeners, just before this, I called James Paul by accident because that's the name <laughs> in the company. <laughs> and we just had a good laugh about it. So I'll admit it. You know, I'm not ashamed. But anyway, James, good to have you on the show. <laughs> so thanks. It's, say a it's few probably one of the most common things that happens to anybody who works at the company. We all go by Paul. Right. Well, you know, the name in the company is the name of a person, Paul Davis, right? Was that an actual person? Is that an actual person? It, it is. It is. Uh, Mr. Davis actually passed away last year, yeah. last summer. I believe he was about 95 years old. So he's yeah. he graduated with honors, we'll say. Yes, right. Indeed. Okay. So say a few words about what you guys do and who your main audience is. Sure. We are the largest commercial and residential restoration company in Utah. So basically, we clean up after fires, flood, we clean up mold damage, biohazard. So when something has gone wildly wrong in someone's life, we're, we're there to put the pieces back together. And I would say 90% of the work that we do is insurance-based. So the insurance company is paying for it on the residential side. On the commercial side, with deductibles being significantly higher, a lot of commercial companies will pay for it themselves, but they'll call us when they... When the fire suppression system goes off, whether there's a fire or not, when the hospital finds mold behind the wall in the kitchen, or when, uh, let's say, a parking garage has a, a backup and fills up with a foot or two of water, they'll call us to deal with those problems. Okay, gotcha. And you guys are the Utah branch of the company, right? This is a, a national company. Is it international? It is. It's a U.S. and Canada. It is a franchise. Okay. It's been around longer, over 50 years now. And we have three franchises here in the state of Utah. So we cover the, the majority of the populated area in Utah, the Wasatch Front. Okay, gotcha. So in your line of work, one of your main marketing tactics is meeting people in person on a regular basis. So that when disaster strikes, as you described, you guys are top of mind and they, and they go to you and not one of your competitors. So... What's this, what's your strategy for getting the most value from those in-person connections? Yes, uh, the insurance industry and the restoration industry, we, you know, in the, in the COVID times, we're considered essential workers. The work that we do cannot be done remotely. We have to go in and, and take care of the problems. A lot of people did postpone repair work during the, the worst of the times, but everybody wanted their mitigation done right away. So where the insurance company might not send out their adjuster, they may have them working remotely. 
They would send us into the people's homes to do the work. We use Matterport to do 3D scans so the adjuster can have a virtual walkthrough. But what we really need to do is be in touch with the people who are contacted by the property owners when the worst happens. So their insurance agent, their property manager, the their landlord, uh, the facility manager, those people needed to know who we are beforehand. So when that emergency happens, they can call us and have us get there right away. Yeah. Okay. So, and it seems like that's kind of an interesting challenge because you have to stay in touch with these people all the time, even when they don't have an emergency and, and they're not thinking about that. But when the, when, when the trouble does strike that you, right, you need to be on the radar so that the, so that they call you. So when you're having those regular touches with with prospects, with customers, like what do you talk about? How do you make that work? Yes, we we market a product that is not needed now. Yeah. And we market a product that people hope that they will never need to use. Yeah. So we are there when things go wrong and and it's something that people don't like to think about. So we're contacting, like I said, the agent, the the adjuster, the facility manager, and we are just letting them know what our capabilities are. Can we get in there and do what we would call a wet check just to find out if, in fact, this is a water loss that is, is close to their deductible, meaning they would want to file a claim? Or maybe it's small enough that they're going to want to pay out of pocket so that it doesn't affect their, their premiums. So we have to be there to let them know what our capabilities are. We would say we're, our biggest competitor is going to be their buddy down the street who's a contractor who can help them out. But mm-hmm. drying out a home is a very, it's, it's a technical thing to do. There yeah. is a group called the IICRC that sets the standards. And we have to be able to go into the insurance company and say, we meet these standards so that when you send us out there on a claim, and we can verify that we've done everything based on the insurance standards that they're willing to pay for it. And, and do they'll pay higher than what the chuck in the truck down the street will charge. But that person down the street doesn't have the ability, the tools, the techniques to prove and guarantee that this has been taken care of and warranty it for a couple of years like we do. Okay. So then part of the trick here is sort of reminding these folks that, yeah, you, you could call Bob down the street, but for what you might be dealing with, if you really want to get the job done the right way, we provide these capabilities. That's what you really need. Yes. And, and let's just say for an agent, for example, they're, they're a salesperson. Insurance agents are salespeople. And so their day is spent trying to sell their product, which is insurance. But at the same time, they're a consumer and they are having people like restoration companies, auto glass companies, auto body repair companies. All of these companies are calling on them, trying to take their time because they are definitely a center of influence. They're the kind of person who gets a lot of people calling them for advice. So we want to be top of mind. At the same time, I don't want to irritate them. I don't want to spend too much time in their office. I don't want to go by too often. And as a trained salesperson, they are giving me the impression that they're happy I'm there, that they want to talk to me. I need to know when to read those signs and be able to cut that off five, 10 minutes, make my presentation, make a, a connection with them and get out of their get out of their hair. Now, a lot of people will say, we don't know when the loss is going to happen. We need to go in every week, every other week. 
I'm sorry, nobody wants to see you every week or every other week. Maximum is going to be monthly, unless I have a legitimate reason. So I'm going to go see this this individual on a monthly basis, unless I have a claim to follow up on. And then I'm going to maximize that time by following up on the claim and getting more face time. Same thing would happen with a facility manager, a property manager. They're going to have a problem and they're going to need to make a call right away. And I need to be top of mind on that. But I can't take up their time by showing up in their office all of the time. I need to make sure I bring value, but be quick, be to the point and be gone. Yeah. Okay. At, or or else risk annoying people and then they don't want to work with you. So you Correct. mentioned you mentioned that you're often dealing with people who are at least insurance agents who are salespeople. So they're really good at at least giving the impression that, hey, they're happy to see you and they want to talk to you. But how do you know when they're not? Like, what are some of those signs or red flags that you just need to get out of there? Yeah, it's there's the there's the kinds that are easy when, you know, they they stop making eye contact as much. They mm. start glancing at their phone. They start glancing at their screen. They've got the cue from somebody who's out in, you know, maybe another agent somewhere else to place a phone call that something's going on. I like to set my watch alarm to, to vibrate, to give myself five, 10 minutes, whatever I've told them. And when it goes off, I wrap it up and try to stand up. And if they are like, no, no, go ahead and stay. You know, even sometimes that I still need to disengage and pull, pull out, but that usually gives me a cue right there, whether or not they're ready to wrap up or be gone because I'm terminating the conversation, leaving them a little bit more to be desired as they, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a good strategy. Literally set the alarm. <laughs> so, so you don't get carried away and, and overstay. Your I welcome. can talk. Yep, I can <laughs> right. absolutely talk and I can just start going and going and going. And I will totally blow through all the cues if I haven't set myself some sort of reminder. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, I think in a way that's kind of the stereotype of salespeople, right? Just talk, 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 like a used car salesman and like talk you into submission, but that's not the way that real salespeople actually operate or at least successful ones. Right. And so, so, and that's especially important for this type of like relationship based marketing that you guys do. That takes a lot of really fine tuned interpersonal skills. So, which skills do you think are the most important for what you guys do? For us, it's absolutely listening. We have to listen to find out what their pain points are. In, in the in the market that we work in, I think at last count, I had 65 competitors. They were, were legitimate restoration companies, not just a contractor who also has a couple of fans in the back of the truck and can swing by and take care of it, but legitimate restoration companies. So I have to be able to pick up on what their pain points are, be able to solve them, and I also have to be able to make a decision after a visit or two if they're the kind of company that I want to work with. We may or may not have the same values. We may or may not have the same geography or same target. Just because I like them doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be a, big, a good client. I have to be able to pick through that pretty quickly so that I can spend the right amount of time with people who can actually send me work. Okay. So... So there are a lot of skills that go into this. I mean, I want to go back to listening for a second in a way that just seems so obvious in common sense, right? I mean, you, you have to listen to what people are saying to understand what they want and if you're a good fit. But at least in my experience, it's easier said than done, like really listening. Like what's your take on that? What does it mean or take to, to be a good listener? <sighs> yes, I've I've trained a number of salespeople in my career 
And many of them do the data dump. You know, they go in and they throw up all over you with all the information they have. They don't even know what you're interested in or if you're interested. So it's about asking a couple of key questions and listening. And it's standard, you know, sales 101. They give you an answer. You restate it in a little bit different way to make sure you're, you're understanding it. They make a comment, you restate it. You want to make sure you're following them. I've, I've been in calls recently with people who they talk so fast and they're, they want, they're so focused on getting their message across that they're interrupting the prospect because mm. they want to share their message. And the prospect, they've grabbed onto some little piece and they want to discuss something else that's of importance to them. For me, when you mention something that's important to you, that's suddenly the most important thing to me. I'll try to remember to get back to my topic a little bit later, but I've got to catch your attention and let you know if it's something that I'm, I'm able to do or not. But it's you don't talk over, you don't interrupt, you just listen, restate, and follow the path. Yeah, I mean, again, like all that seems like such common sense. Like, why would you ever interrupt the person you're trying to persuade? But I think I get it. I mean, especially maybe if you're, you know, if you haven't been doing this very long or, or even or maybe you're just not very good at it. But just like you said, you have a message to get across and you're just very like, I, I need to say this. You need to hear this. This is what's going to work. But at the end of the day, I mean, it has to be all about the person you're talking. It can't be about you. It has to be all about the person you're talking to and what they actually care about, right? Sure. If, I, if I'm working with somebody whose most recent problem is a major commercial fire and they have questions about smoke damage and water-related damage, and but I'm there to tell them about our flood cleanup services and I'm going to get through my message and presentation no matter what, I've lost a huge opportunity. So I have to make sure that I'm... But then if they start talking about maybe a custodial cleaning services or carpet cleaning or things that we don't offer then I understand, you know, I need to guide that conversation back and let them know I might have somebody I can refer, refer to them, but it's not something that we personally offer. Yeah. Okay. So I think one takeaway here is that really listening is harder than it might seem. It's like an actual skill that you need to develop and practice. It, it is. Whether you're, you're dealing with a, a cold prospect or a teenager, you have to learn <laughs> how to listen to them, pull out what they really mean not offend them and try to follow that path. Now, yesterday, or let's see, two days ago, we had a, a, a customer advisory board where we had about a half a dozen um, large insurance brokers, adjusters, and commercial property owners. And we did a panel with them to discuss their needs, to discuss what they wanted, discuss what they liked about working with us, and more importantly, what they didn't like about working with us. And, you know, communication was the number one thing that came up. We needed to have a clear communication and it was on all levels because all three of those groups represent different levels of a claim. All of them had questions or concerns about communication because when you're doing a large construction project, anybody who's built anything of size knows something is going to go wrong. Mm. It's not about not having a problem. It's about how you deal with that problem. And that's what came up in this conversation. But back to another thing you mentioned a moment ago was, you know, how do we, how do we communicate and how do we connect with these people? The, the two largest rep representatives of the two largest brokerages said, 
we do not take calls. We don't take drop-ins. We don't take visits. We don't have time for that. And, and I can understand based on the size of the organization they represent, their, their avenue to reach them is through networking with people that they know. They will work based on recommendation and referral, but they will not work with a new person who just drops by. And I kind of assumed that was the case, but it was really interesting to hear them say that and understanding the hierarchy of their business. There's no way to just drop in on them. You can't get to the floor. You can't get to the door. It's not going to happen. But they were very open with us about the best way. Now we already work with them and they're very happy with our service. But it, it was an opening to me for the organizations of their size that that's a better way to reach out through, whether it's through BOMA or IFMA or the large construction organizations to meet them in those open networking settings more so than dropping by for the visit. Okay. Obviously super valuable information to have. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So just to switch gears here at the end, what's a recent marketing trend that you think is overrated? So my team covers the face-to-face contacts. So the people going out to visit with the agents, adjusters, facility managers, property managers. But I also have a a marketing coordinator, Diane, and she's a graphic designer, social media expert. She helps things. You you come to Diane with an idea and she can flesh it out and make it sound good. She's amazing at that. And she's constantly looking into the, the latest social media trends, Google ads, Google local, pay per click trying to figure all of these all of these different avenues out. We are a restoration company. You want to call me when you have a fire, flood, mold or sewer backup. You don't want to follow me on Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram. I I can't quite wrap my head and I ha- I get calls all the time of people who want to to beef up my social media presence. Now, people do like to watch the train wreck. They want to see the pictures of the house that's in a disaster, but that's also a very private moment for the people who are dealing with that. So we are very careful and cautious about how we share those images and we share that. We will do before and afters, but I mean, really, I'm really not wrapping my head around how restoration companies like us are using these new social media avenues to communicate when the product we have is it's just not something people want to follow. I, I'm i not seeing it. What we have turned that into success is a recruiting tool. We show some of the fun we have. We show a day in the life of many of our, of our employees, our technicians, our project managers, our estimators. But that's more of a recruiting tool. People don't just want to follow a restoration company on most social media platforms. I just, I think it's overrated. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, there's so many of these platforms and I think it's easy to get kind of go down the rabbit hole of like, we need to be on the latest thing, whatever that is, and then spending a lot of time and effort to create content and work it all up. But if your audience isn't there, then what's the point really? Right. Yeah. Well, James, there's so much more we could talk about, but we got to wrap it up. So thank you so much for your time. And for telling us about your business, I certainly learned a lot. Really enjoyed our conversation. Hey, thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate your time. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. 
You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.